Sorry, Webster. Um, the last two episodes of the Touring Cast, hmm. people are actually downloading it and listening to it. Can you believe that? Had a hundred people across two episodes. Well, I want to know. How do you know that, Frank Gardner? You're not DSO. Third and hopefully not last edition of the Supercar Insiders Touring Cast, we document a fall, 11 or 14 drops the ball, the general makes a tough call, and it all ends up as a corporate brawl. Yes, welcome to the Touring Cast. I'm the Warpster and with me is Frank Gardner. What is that hat you're wearing? I've been inspired, Warpster. I went out and I bought a white terry toweling hat because I was inspired by the efforts of Frank Gardner in the BM- with the BMWs in the previous two episodes. The podcast minion is going to nick that for his um, straight party. No, I bought him one too. Nice. Sound nice. engineer's got one too. If he was here, he'd be wearing it. And sounding like Frank Gardner. And sounding like Frank Gardner. Well, uh, this one should be interesting. Uh, we're going into a bit of uh, uncharted territory, if you like, in terms of people generally tend to avoid this one. DSO. All I can say, Warbster, is you're a braver man than I. But but I'm, I'm here with you. I'll. Uh, it means that we're uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna live through this one together. We're getting out of the DeLorean. Welcome back to 1987, uh, ladies and gentlemen out there in podcast world. But instead of watching and commentating on a race, we're going to discuss what is arguably the biggest event in the racing history. Of Holden, GMH Holden in this country, Warbster. The Polarizer incident. Yep. It marked a temporary end to one of the longest and most successful partnerships in Australian racing history and helped start an equally long collaboration in the aftermath. You can kick it off. I'm going to be... I'm just going to say something before we begin. I'm not trying to disrespect Peter Brock. I'm not trying to disrespect anyone. But we discussed the subject of the Polarizer in both our commentaries of the touring cast and in some episodes of the Warbster cast. All I want to do is get the facts out there. If anyone disagrees, that's fine. That's what history is about. There are going to be disputes. There are going to be things that are put out there by other people who think who talk, think I'm talking complete rubbish. That's fine. The only thing that I insist is that everyone plays the facts, not the opinions, and not the emotions. Yeah, and look, we've done a fair bit of research and there's a lot of information out there from uh, historically from the, the journos who are involved in it right in the middle of it and uh, and all the other players. They've, everybody's uh, everybody's trotted out their opinion, and but, but we're going to deal with facts. So um, I suppose you could say it all kicked off in June 1984, Warbster. In, of all places, the south region of France at Le Mans. The Mouth um, of Le Mans strained all within the Holden Dealer team slash Team Australia setup. Um, for those who didn't listen to the last episode of the Warbster cast, the Holden Dealer team, backed by Bob Jane, rented a Porsche 956 from John Fitzpatrick Racing uh, to go over and win Bathurst and basically show the show the froggies how it was done type win, thing. Win Le Mans, not Bathurst. 
It's okay. We can edit that bit. No, we can leave that bit. No, we'll leave that bit in. So, a lack of parts, an absolute dog of a car, this 956. Endless problems. They were missing technical information. Far too much pre-race hype. I'm Um, sure you can remember being around back then, how much there was. It was just, it was crazy. And and above all else, Peter Perfect's own expectations. Hmm. He wasn't called Peter Perfect for nothing. He was a perfectionist in, in, in everything that he that he did be, be, and partly that was a bit of the snowball that uh, the, the more successful he got the, the more he uh, believed his own publicity I think also there's the fact of trying to run a business in the pre-internet age from halfway around the world staying up until all hours of the morning placing phone calls mi- meetings minutes all that sort of thing yep probably played on him as well but it's fair to say it all added up on him and Larry Perkins crashing the car out of the race was Almost the last straw. Yeah, look, Brocky was a lot of things, and history shows that he was a brilliant racing driver, but he wasn't much of a businessman. I think even he would admit that. Yeah. I mean, there was a point, I think Alan Gow said, when he came in just after the polarising incident, Brock didn't have a, wasn't a signatory to the, che- to the checking account. He didn't even have a key to the building. Yep. So, Brocky returns to Australia looking and feeling awful, there's rumours that he has cancer. There's other rumours that he's ingested too many glass fibres from running the Porsche or from Bob Jane's Monza. Either way, he goes to see somebody who's already treating his mother, his brother Lewis, and his partner Bev. And that gentleman's name, Warbster? Dr. Eric Dalko. So Dalko was a chiropractor in the, uh, the outer northern, uh, outer northeastern suburbs of Melbourne with additional interest in natural therapies. Under his guidance, Brock stopped smoking. He was a pack-a-day man at that point. He stopped drinking. He drank fairly heavily. Yep. Became vegetarian. And generally started looking after his health as a top driver should. Yeah, things that um, that, that, that we take for granted in the modern era for, for race drivers, um, they were hardly athletes back then compared to what they are now. But um, that wasn't the problem. It was the interest generated... In the properties of crystals and magnets. Crystals were being waved over food, according to John Harvey, which was harmless enough, but then they started appearing in the race shop on engines and in cars. Mid-1985 saw the departure of Larry Perkins from the Holden dealer team after telling Brock he was acting like a loony and doing damage to the team. Perkins would partner Dick Johnson at Bathurst, uh, for anyone who remembers the uh, wheel nearly falling off the Mustang and him driving it down the hill with half the tyre off, uh, before starting Perkins Engineering. Engine man Neil Burns, who was another sort of hardcore engineering guy, uh, departed around the same time. And it's fair to say those two won a fair few Bathurst between them Absol- for the Holden dealer team. Absolutely. So I suppose what we need, the question we need to ask for those of you listening at home... What is an energy polarizer? Brock told Wheels at the time, it's a magic cure. It makes a shit house car good. Right. So, Warbster, how can a magic cure make a shit house car good? Well, as Brock again told Wheels at the time, the polarizer is a transmitter that sends out an ultra high frequency charge that's neither organic nor magnetic. It's a form of energy called orgone energy. It makes a car one run quieter, smoother, and takes away a lot of the oscillations and squeaks because the molecules are in nice alignment. Right. Um, I'm going to throw my snippet in here. Go for it. 
when Moffat came over to drive with Brock, he was given a road car to take for a drive. He took it for a drive, came back and said, one of the HDT road car specials, said, this thing's a piece of shit. Moff went and had lunch with Brocky, and in the mean, the allegedly in the meantime, um, suspension was completely changed out, tire pressures altered, uh, spring rates. Uh, it was essentially was essentially reset up. Mm. Moff came back after lunch, and Brocky said to Moff, "Take the car back out again. Tell me what you think." Moff came back and said, "It's a completely different car. What have you done?" Brock's answer: Polarizer. I fitted a polarizer. So what was a polarizer? What did you get for your return on four hundred and seventy-eight dollars? It's a lot of money back in eighty-seven, mm. mm. especially for a metal box containing two magnets, two crystals, a wire, and some resin, fed energy by the polarizer sticker that you fitted on the back window, which acted as an antenna. Right. Okay. So nothing scientifically dubious there. We're not going to take a position on whether or not it works but with engineering types this sort of talk went down like a lead balloon let's face it Dowker's influence had grown to a point where he became a close advisor to Brock as well as being credited with design of HDT products no one can pinpoint exactly when the energy polarizer first appeared on race cars they appeared on race cars before the road cars but John Harvey first knew about it when one fell off in practice for the 1985 Sandown 500. Mm. At this point, it was able to be contained within the teams, but things were getting hot and Holden started to get a little nervous. So, Harry Firth, Brock's longtime mentor, warned him to keep it at Nutfield, uh, where Brocky's house was, and not Port Melbourne, HDT, because Holden won't wear it. That was, that was a Firth quote. Mm. Brock proceeded regardless... Ray Borat, uh, HDT of Holden Engineer and HDT Liaison, a man who should know about it, was uneasy on the subject when questioned. It's fair to say at this point, Fisherman's Ben just wanted it to go away. Yep. So Brock continued as a Holden driver and PR operative, but whispers were about that the Gizmo made cars designed for leaded fuel run on unleaded. It was a gold mine if true, but Holden was strangely quiet about it. The energy polarizer went to the United States to be tested. The outcome of the testing depends on who you talk to, but the data was sealed by agreement, so it's unlikely we'll ever know. This and, was and, all... and by and, and by by inference, if they've sealed the data, it can't have been good. Uh, this um, America testing at the Milford Proving Ground, which is like um, if proving grounds were ultra mega sized was thanks to John Rock, the former Holden marketing director who'd moved back home previously and was in the GM truck division. Whilst over there, Brock was convinced that his little box was about to be made standard fitment on all GM products. So he let a US dealer evaluate two VL model Commodores and was also convinced that he could sell 5,000 cars in the States when at the time he'd struggled to build 1,500 for local consumption. This is all good and well, but the Commodore was never designed for left-hand drive, didn't comply with US regulations, and you need a lot of help from Holden to make it happen. A hell of a lot of help from Holden to make it happen. So, Holden had more pressing issues than that. For example, it couldn't prove that the polarizer actually did anything. In November 1986, Holden released a statement stating that the polarizer had no technical merit and could not endorse its use. 
Holden was warranting and guaranteeing all HDD product, not Brock. Which meant that you were buying a whole a brand new Holden Commodore from Holden. It went to HDT for uh, for work to be done on it, for it to be tricked up, so to speak. But it was still a Holden, and Holden still did the guarantee work and the warranty work. Long story short, if a customer decided to sue Holden because the polarizer didn't do all these wonderful things that Brock said, it had no way to prove it. Mm. So there was also the issue of the polarizer only working best with 22 psi of pressure in the tyres, which according to load rating calculations he could legally do, but with a recommendation of an extra 6 psi for constant high speed use. Long-term sponsor Bridgestone didn't like it, but could do nothing about it. Effectively, that comes down to ADRs, which, correctly, you can put 22 PSI in tyres. The load rating will still be safe, but you've got wear, you've got the problem of um, sidewalls having problems, you've got the bigger footprint, but at the expense of road holding and also... um, Handling. Handling, and also um, fuel consumption. Yes, Yep, absolutely. So, Holden officially asked Brock to drop the polarizer. Brock said no and removed his signature from the new Commodore Group A cars, uh, which were built to homologate the race cars unless they were fitted with polarizers. On November 12, Holden boss Charles Chapman told his dealer network there would be no more polarizing. HDT, on the surface at least, agreed. So, Brock distanced the polarizer from HDT, starting several companies in the process. CGM Marketing was intended to market and distribute. Uh, DB Tech, owned by Dowker and Brock, uh, was built uh, was to build them. And Perry Integration Warpster, a subsidiary of HDT Special Vehicles, was to fit, test, and certify them, as well as design all future HDT products. So, in a nutshell, HDT built the cars and sent them to Perry, circumventing Holden's edict. Not the nicest way to go about it, but it it fitted to the letter of the agreement, if not necessarily the spirit. February 12, 1987, was the beginning of the end. A conference of Fisherman's Bend with Holden's head of marketing, Rob McEnery, and his uh, deputy, John Cronin, detailed mm-hmm. how concerned Holden and the dealers were. Holden considered that... Quote, Brock has broken the spirit and intent of the agreement reached in December with respect to the marketing of the energy polarizer and product modifications that contravened the Australian design rules. Then came the real kicker. The Australian Holden Dealer Council would advise non-purchase of HDT modified vehicles and stop all dealer funds to the HDT racing team. So Brock advised legal action would proceed, but then finally towed the line. An absolute end to polarising by HDT, however, fitment after purchase was another matter. Later that same day, Holden found out another car was to be unveiled on February 20, the director. Grant Spear Steers, long-term friend of Brock and HDT liaison to Holden, asked him, prior to public release or prior to sale or prior to customer delivery, can you provide detailed listings of model specification? Can you provide us the new model to HMC, Holden, for engineering department review? Please advise by return today. Brock did advise. The specifications you requested of the 87 director have been outlined on numerous occasions via the Wheels Car Magazine. Peter Robinson, the editor, 
His colleagues and associates have conducted numerous tests accumulating the drivability, handling, safety, durability, and performance test data. So having pushed GMH to the limit over the polarizer, Brock was now telling Holden to go and buy a car magazine to find out about its newest product. There is a fair difference between some journos blasting around in a prototype and the type of detailed work needed to comply with ADRs and to carry the warranties and guarantees of a major car corporation. This is especially true with regard to as big of a change as the independent rear suspension, the modified Monza system, which was fitted. So Holden's general counsel, MHG Whiteman, indicated as much in a hand-delivered letter giving Brock until 10am on Monday, February 16, to provide the engineering example and specifications to clear the outstanding fears that Holden had. HDT's response was in part. Ex-GMH engineer Ray Borat approved the vehicle for export to Europe, USA and Japan if we so wished. Ray Borat will thoroughly and completely endorse the specifications as he did previously. So the previous September, Borat had given a prototype he drove briefly, a roadworthy, so it could be tested overseas for magazine articles. At the least, Holden needed to check noise, especially emissions, brakes compliance, and most majorly, needed to perform a new series of crash tests. This was because of the independent re-suspension. Brock hadn't finished the director yet, though. He provided no example. Holden's board conferred, then made the decision. After 19 years of association, it was over. And the letter stated, This letter is to confirm that as at 10am today, there has been no compliance with the request for delivery. As a courtesy, it is confirmed that following non-compliance with the request, this company will proceed to protect the interests of itself, the dealer network and the community without notice to you. The Finnish director was unveiled anyway. Brock talking about a reconciliation and talking up a $250 million export order from his 5,000 cars that were going to America. This was despite not passing any of the Australian design rules, much less the US rules, that it would take a million dollars and a year to get close to US approval. By which time, the VL was going to be replaced in, uh, in the model lineup in Australia by the VN. Bottom line, not going to happen, regardless of whatever spin the general media swallowed. And I think it's probably reasonable to touch now, Warbster, that um, the general media and the motoring media, there were some who drank the Kool-Aid and some who didn't. Um, there were a number of uh, uh, fairly well-documented uh, people who wrote what they saw as common sense, only to be blacklisted by um, Brock, Dowker, Beverly and the HDT group. I think, though, that if you look at um, back then, I mean, you had 60 Minutes. I mean, Ian Leslie writing Brock a check and saying, I want one, without actually looking into the underlying problems that were contingent on Brock to solve with Holden in order to salvage the relationship. And I think that leads beautifully to playing the underdog was something that Brocky did really, really well. He accused Holden of trying to take his business off him, saying that the government would intervene in his favour and banning all hostile press from HGT events, as we just touched upon. And there were very few journos left by the end of all this because every single time the polarizer was um, written about and it wasn't overwhelmingly glad-handed, Brock just cut people out. Yep, so Slug Harvey, John Harvey, resigned, along with most of the HGT senior management um, without Holden supplying inventory, if they weren't giving him cars, they did, he didn't have a dealer network, 
He didn't have the volumes needed to make HDT profitable. The situation was impossible. Drowning in debt, it was almost it was all over by the end of 1987. Now, whilst he dropped it publicly, Brock never stopped believing in the polarizer, but came to the conclusion that it was too soon for the public and quietly dropped it from subsequent projects, specifically the Oztec Automotive Ford modification business that he started. He came um, back to the Holden Fold in 1991 with Larry Perkins and back to the factory Holden racing team three years later. Brocky was under the management of John Crennan, one of the men responsible for the events of eight years before, who was more interested in Brock's Holden money than his skills. And I think that um, probably not only Brock's Holden money, uh, bringing Brocky back into the Holden Fold brought the tens, nay, hundreds of thousands of Brock supporters back in line with Holden. Oh, absolutely. Um, But no matter what happened, the events of February 1987 haunted Brock's career until the end. Absolutely. And it was quite possibly the greatest fall from grace in the history of the Australian motor industry. I couldn't think of anything that even came close. No. Brock had a gold mine on his hands. All he had to do was basically let Holden do what they wanted to a certain extent or or go along with Holden's view of the world because Holden effectively handed handed the reins to him in 1980 they gave him all the support they could they bent over backwards for him for years and then the second they said no with the um, Monza back in 84 he just started going on a war path and it all just imploded three years later and history shows that the Walkinshaw organisation made a hell of a lot of money out of the Australian motoring public and and out of Holden, by default, running HSV. HSV was the, the natural successor to HDT. And, look, if Brocky had kept his head down and, you know, and had dropped the polariser, we'd be seeing a different landscape. You know, Brocky might have been involved in some more Bathurst wins. Who knows? It, it might have been 11 or 14. But, you know, his, history shows that... Um, it was a, a conglomeration of unfortunate series of events, and yeah, we just yeah, it leaves it leaves like-minded people scratching their heads. Um, I think the thing with, and I wasn't around back in '87. I wasn't quite old enough for, to be around at the time. You young, you young whippersnapper. I remember it. Whippersnapper. But I think the Brocky, it was just something where I just think he, he lost his mind almost. It was almost like he just got to a certain point and then just sense went out the window and he was going to get his way whether he wanted it or not and to hell with the consequences. And I wonder whether it was because of there was because he he was fast becoming the most successful um, Australian racing driver, touring car driver in modern history. He was the king of the mountain. He every everybody loved him. You either loved him or hated him. And I, I hate to use a bad pun, but he was polarizing. He, if if you were a Ford fan, you hated him, and pretty much everyone else loved him. As with all great sports stars, there's many shades of grey under the surface. To simply portray Brock as the white hat and Moffat as the black hat is a total inaccuracy. Moffat away from the track was a genial happy nice person and Brock had his moments where he could be a real shit oh yeah and look we won't I think it's been um, we don't need to go into uh, the personal issues you know that that surrounded Brocky over the years but uh, today but um, it's all out there for you to go and have a look at the book written by Bill Tucky and John Harvey The Rise and Fall of Peter Brock if you can find it uh, have a read of it it's um it, it certainly tells uh, an alternate story to um, 
to what the disciples want you to believe. In in summary, was Brock a hero? Yes. Was he a good racing driver? Absolutely. Yes. Was he a flawed human being like all the rest of us? Absolutely. So we need to go safety car boards and flags, safety car boards and flags, safety car boards and flags, safety car boards and flags. How does it happen? You're putting a ding, or welding something, or work until you think that you'll burst. You should have read that label first. A hard night's work needs a big cold caffeine kick, and the best caffeine kick is Monster. Monster Energy. You know how it happens. You're doing some paint spray, or fixing an under tray, or trying to finish before it gets worse. You've sure got a thirst. A hard-earned thirst needs a big energy hit, and man, I shouldn't be drinking this shit. It can come at any time. When Brad or Kim ring, it's never funny, because I always seem to be sitting on the dunny, but the lads have smashed up some cars. Or maybe Wally needs some spare guards. They ain't playing cards. You're not cooking a cow. You're showing them how. Matter of fact, I'm having a heart attack now. A hard-earned thirst needs a big black drink. And the unhealthiest drink is Monster. Monster Energy. And welcome back to the uh, touring cast. And uh, having gone through all that controversy, we'll give you a bit of a lightning mood by uh, going to commentate yet another race day or so. Absolutely, Warbuster. We're going to stay in the DeLorean. We're going to jump forward a couple of years from the uh, Brock ex- escapades and the polarizer escapades to 89. So, uh, and we're heading all the way to sunny Queensland, which uh, you'll see some things in the telecast in a minute that uh, proves it was anything but. So uh, we're off to uh, Dick Johnson's home track to Lakeside for round three of the 1989 Australian Touring Car Championship. It's a fine day, the 16th of April. Uh, not really good weather if you're anywhere south of the border, but uh, up there in Canada. Well, we're Mexican, so they're Canada. Um, nice. It's a very, very nice day. Uh, for those who want to watch along, go to YouTube and pop in 1989 ATCC Lakeside, round three. And it should be the 42-minute version uploaded by DBR8. Yeah, we, we, we're going to commentate off the 42-minute version. The others uh, have uh, some, uh, some editing in the middle of it. Without further ado, those of you playing at home, if you want to click play now. And, and it's Quagmire. There we have, we have uh, Gary Wilkinson looking resplendent in the mm. Channel 7 jacket. Which is not red, thank God. Which I was about to say, major change from the previous red of the jacket. Mm. Um, we won't go into too much detail as far as the 89 cars and drivers and who's who because um, we went through all of that in episode one of the Warpster cast. Yep. Uh, you also might want to forget some of the history we went through there if you want to be surprised. And there's Peter Griffin. Yeah. G'day, Mike. G'day, Mike. Love those glasses, Mike. Oh, it's just... It's, um, it's a beautiful sunny day here in Queensland and um, mm. um, there's some blokes sitting on the back of a farm truck. Uh, I can't see anyone with a can of... 4X in their hand, but it might only be early. Oh, and it's pouring with rain. So, mm. I think two weeks earlier, it mm. uh, absolutely belted with rain. And mm. this is what they were supposed to have raced in, except, oh, and there's the OB truck and a tortoise mm. and an eel. 
Mm. Or a snake. No, it was an eel. Maybe and they should. They're towing a guy on a boat. Yeah, no, they're towing someone on a... Yeah, great on like, the board. Yeah. And I think everything drained into the lake. Mm. I also think that possibly they should have um, put everyone in jet boats for the original weekend and just raced the jet boats. No? Okay. Or raced on the or raced on the lake. Now, fair enough. Or so here we side. have the Park Royal recap, obviously fairly obvious. Oh, and uh, There's Chris Lambden. Chris Lambden in the Borough Pairs. There's uh, Commodore under the fence. There's Brad Jones. Brad Jones in the uh, in the one oh five FM and that's a car on that's fire. Terry Finnegan. That's Finnegan. Um, the his, food works. His crew. His crew will need to begin again. Mm. Sorry, that was terrible. It was terrible. Mm. Uh, and there's Terry. And uh, yeah, I had a big crash. I got it all wrong. Uh, backed it in. Split the fuel tank. And my ass got a bit hot, but I'm okay. And uh, nothing we can't fix. Mm. Uh, yeah, quick get it. No, the door won't open. Mm. Uh, roll around. Ricky Bob, actually, he never did a Ricky Bobby. He actually did come back. Hmm. Um, so that, fairly nasty, fairly nasty crash. And there's Dick. Say goodnight, Dick. Hey, Dick. You, you're doing a bit better than you did in episode one, mate. Yeah, no, traveling nicely there, Dick. Hmm. Now I haven't watched this Warbster, so I've got no idea who's going to win. So we're going to call. I'm going to call this. Yep. By the seat of my pants. I've. It's been a there's while since I've watched. Tell you what, hey. He's got he's got light he's got almost blonde hair. Hmm. He's the Park Royal Pole sitter. Are you sure that blondness isn't just reflected off his overalls? Oh, who knows? Oh, and some dickhead waving in the background. Good on you, mate. Yeah, no worries. There's a TV camera. I'm gonna wave as I walk past. Can you so, do any of those without somebody waving? There's um eleven or fourteen. Eleven or fourteen. Looking being passed by Bowie. Dick. No, that's Bowie. Bowie. That's eighteen. That's Bowie. Yeah, it is eighteen, Mr. Bowie. Number. He, oh, ooh, doesn't look very happy. No. Oh, but perhaps because he ran Brad Jones off the track. I oh, know, and there goes Brocky. Mm. Oh, and Brocky runs into Brad as well. Not real clever, Brocky. You're paying the bills for both your cars. Mm. Oh, stylish hat, Pierre. Mm. Very European. Very nice. Very nice. Very European. I mean, it's not up there with sort of the Terry Howling Trilby that uh, you've got, DSO, but it's definitely sartorial elegance at its finest. I was going to say, I hope, and I really do hope we see Frank Gardner. Mm. Tell you what, the Nissan's hopping around a bit over those bumps. Mm. Probably a bit soft there, but it is. Yeah, I reckon it's really it's soft. It's getting a bit of velocity over yeah, the top there. Absolutely. Interesting. Uh, interesting. Oh, exercise. picking up Whoa. a front wheel. So, uh, do we think Richo's trying? Or? Oh, are you giving it a shot, Richo? Jeez, mm. doesn't he look so young? Mm. Doesn't look a thing like his son. Getting right. <laughs> Much. Yeah. So, um, well, he's got smaller teeth. Yeah, and, ha- and have a look at that. You've got Nissan, Nissan, Nissan mm. Motorsport. Mm. I wonder who's paying the bills. You've got. You've got uh, beach umbrellas, you've got caps, you've got Rich on a stylish shirt, and there's everybody's mate, Tone. Good on you, Tone. Yeah. Anthony, oh, Tone's drifting at Lakeside. Does he know that Anthony Longhurst bloke who's racing in the M4 at um, the 12-hour? Um, I think it's his son. Okay, fair enough. Ra- who's racing with the son of the baby-faced assassin, Glenn Seaton. Mm. There's Moff. Oh, look, and we're going to talk up the Park Royal because it's, we're staying uh, there. It's not Moff, it's Greg Hansford. But Was that Hanford? Sorry, yeah, my bad. Uh, yeah. Moff's car. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we're at Park the Park Royal. Royal. It's yeah. so beautiful. Brisbane Park Royal. We choose to stay at the Park Royal Hotel. Look at that Valiant. I prefer the DSO Cottage, to and be the, honest. And these, <laughs> Thanks. Did you give it a like on TripAdvisor? Uh, I do not yet, but I will. Thanks. Yeah. So, uh, I've got to get my rating up. Yep. DJ's. Yeah, Dick's, um, Dick's sort of got a wry smile. That's because he's sitting on pole, but mm. Um, mm. who knows what's going to happen in the race. And I think he's on his, what, 10th or 11th race in oh, a row yeah, for DJ, are we? Big grin there. Mm. Uh, yep, and there's uh, Brocky being passed. Passed by Dick. Mm. Um, 
and there's someone out on a boat on the lake. There's, that one of them must be one of the jet boats. They just yeah, no, got, late, got, you know. got a skier. Yeah, no, yeah, nice. Yeah, nice, nice. Nice. It's the uh, so here we go with the yeah. lineups. DJ in a Sierra. P1 Dick Johnson on the front row, rounded out with Brocky in a Sierra. Jim Richards in a Nissan. In a not Sierra. Tony Longhurst in a Sierra. All in the fifty fours. John, John Bowen, Bowen in a Sierra, Sierra fifty four six two. But Richo feels surrounded. Just quietly. Mm. Medecky and Sierra. Sierra 54.6. All pretty mm. tight compared to the 54.7. Oh, finally, a not Sierra. A not Sierra. So, uh, Greg Hansford in a Sierra. Sierra. Andrew Bagnell in a Sierra. So, we've had, um, Eight we've had Sierras the, top, we've had the top, 10, top 10 cars separated by about a second. Hmm. And they'd say that um, current hmm. supercars is ultra competitive. Oh, look at that old-fashioned Here G-Rager. we go. Look at that grid. And off they go. Someone's dropped the flag. They've got cars going everywhere. I wonder if Dick had a dick problem this year. <laughs> oh, I think it's and I think it's dropping a wheel. So Richo. down the bottom to whatever corner that is. I don't know Lakeside that well. Uh, Peter Jackson corner or Yokohama corner. Oh, Pierre's got it a bit. They slid them a lot in the old yeah, days, did they? ever. Hmm. Cold tyres so, so. opening lap. Yeah, Sierra, 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 Sierra Nissan, Sierra, Sierra. Um, for um, those paying attention to the Holden set, uh, Larry Perkins isn't here, and uh, Gricey's not here either. So uh, if you're a Holden fan, it's you slim might pickings. want to tune out right now. Yep, or <laughs> barrack for something other than a Holden. You've really Possibly a, a Sierra. You've only got one choice. Yep, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is it the is it the red Sierra, the white Sierra, the yellow Sierra, the blue Sierra, the red and white Sierra, mm. the red, white, and blue Sierra that looks like a skyline? No, wait, that's actually a skyline. Yep. Never mind. So here's Tony homing in on Brocky. Mm. Come on, Tone. Mm-hmm. Two turn Tone so. gets it in the inside of Brocky. Got the run. Nah, pushed out wide. No, he's and got it. No, he makes no, it, makes it stick. It. Well done, Tony. Yeah. Top bit of driving, son. You didn't even have to run into anybody. Uh, reigning, reigning ATCC round winner at uh, Lakeside. One of the only races in 1988 that was taken off the Shell team. Yes. I think only the only other one was Bathurst, which was won by Tony Longhurst, and the Pepsi 250 at Oran Park, which was won by Brocky in his BMW because hardly anyone else turned up. And the South Australian Cup at the end of the year, which was won by the Holdens. Now, was that at Melilla or AIR? No, that was at the Adelaide Grand Prix. Oh, yes. End of the yeah. year, November. My apologies. Yeah, the, uh, the when um, the Sierras forgot to fit, put their jungle juice in and um, put regular fuel in and evaporated. Oh. Mm. DJ was not best pleased with that, but... Now, we're not saying the Sierras ran illegal fuel. Oh, no, no, it was illegal fuel. It was Darwin blend. Mm. Mm. I'm not Absolutely. sure what Darwin Glenn's a euphemism for, but I can guarantee the uh, Nissan's probably ran it at Winton a few years later. <laughs> yes, yes. So, here we go. We're looking at the back of mm. the Peter... Je- no, no, the Mobile level, of course. That's, that's the Brocky car. That's the Brocky race. Mm. Dulux, ICI Dulux, Auto Color, Brock Spoiler. So, there's... Um, mm. They didn't... They're, they're still having haven't, trouble still with... Still haven't um, quite got this race cam mm, and mm. rear spoiler thing... Quite mm. working, I... Yeah. There's uh, Andy, Andy Medecki, who's um, running the uh, Kenwood and Yokohama colours, as he did at Winton. Uh, this is a few rounds beforehand. 
probably a bit more money in the bank at this point because, uh, as I said before, well, as you saw in 80, 87, he was running second-hand components a lot of the time to save money. Yep. There's uh, so, Greg Hansford behind in the Moffat-owned car. ANZ-sponsored. Uh, getting ready for the enduro season. So was that sponsorship or a loan from ANZ? Oh, the way interest rates were in 89, I'd hope, I'd hope sponsorship. Yeah, well, they'll make enough money out of us. Still are. So there's a yellow flag being waved as they come down into turn one. I just noticed out of the corner of my eye. Mm. Can't quite see what for. No, can't see what for. Perhaps it, perhaps it's actually a Longhurst supporter and they're just standing in a really awkward position. Mm, yeah, no, it was a yellow flag, but that's... Uh, mm. So Longhurst... Going around. Around and stopping and starting. Great footage. You can tell mm. it's... Um, we're in, we're in 108p here. Is this is this going to be a, another one where you're talking about um, cars going around and around in circles no, while we talk about it? No, 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 not really. Because so, I have to admit, that got that amused a few people. Did I it? Know. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we said some spectacularly inane and stupid things last time round. <laughs> we were the commentary team. That's our job. Oh, yes. True. True mm. indeed. Uh, there's Diggy Johnson buggering so, off up front. So someone's in the pits and I can't quite get a read on who it is. And, of course, we don't have a pit reporter mm. or a camera in the pits at this stage. Yep. Or if they do, they're uh, busy somewhere else. So we're looking at the back of 11 or 14s to see, surprise, surprise, Andy Medecki still up his ginger. Mm. And um, can't quite pick who's behind Andy Medecki. I think it might be Brad Jones. I think it's um, Bill. No, wait, that's mobile. Uh, no, it's Greg Hansford. It's still. Greg Hansford, the other, uh, the, one of the other white Sierras with blue on it. Yes, followed by the blue Sierra of uh, Glenn Seaton. A baby-faced assassin. Mm-hmm. We're going to use that one to death, aren't we? Well, they did. Mm, true. There's Bob Holden in front of him, I believe, yep. number 13. And in front of that is... In the, in the 86. In the 86. I got it right this time. You got time. it right, yep, yep, yep. KE 86? A 86. A jeez. Oh. Please. I don't know. 635 CSI, Summer Eva, that was pre-paint job. Uh, looks like they've just gone around there. Still heading around, going into the kink, which is famous for something that happened about six or seven years later when three super tourists tried to go through it at the same time. Yeah. If you ever see a shot of that, literally how the hell nobody lost it, I have no idea. So... Andy's fighting on furiously try, as they try and get past a back marker, and uh, 11 or 14's holding his ground quite well. That, the car seems to be handling well. Do you think it's got a polarizer in it? <laughs> I'm sure there were boxes and boxes of them out at Nutfield. Oh, just don't go there. Okay. I think, well, I mean, if there were boxes and boxes of them, why, why is Bev making new ones? Uh, and That uh, looks like a John Faulkner. And that's a front bumper. Mm-hmm. Smack bang in the middle of the track. So right about now, if it was 2018, we'd be going safety car boards and flags, safety, safety car boards and flags. Safety but, car. Um, but no, back in the day, we just hmm. stuck out a flag and drove around it. Yep. Well, this was only a few years after we went around Bathurst picking up cars with tow wagons on the track. Mm-hmm. Those cars were going by at full pelt. Yep. So, hey, well, no, actually, they're already yellow flag condition, so they were yep. going 95% of full pelt. Perhaps back then they actually slowed down for yellow flags, Warbster. Nah. Don't believe you. Righto. Okay. Mm. Anything's possible. 
Anything's possible. So we're so we're uh, we're 13 minutes into the telecast and we haven't got a ticker, so we don't know who's leading. Dick Johnson. Well, we do. We know it's Dick, but we, yeah. we, you wouldn't know for for looking. Mm. And obviously, Dick's um, despite Dick being at his home track and leading the race, mm. bugger all coverage at this stage. We've got the cameras firmly focused. Uh, 11 or 14. Yeah. It's Brocky, okay. Brocky, I so love you. Look, look, a Commodore. A That's Commodore. the Blue Haven Pools car of um, probably Rita Awadala. Sorry if I've pronounced that incorrectly. Okay. Queensland local? Uh, yeah, the Middle Eastern part of Queensland. <laughs> There's the second of the Corollas. Yeah, That's, Bob Holden? Uh, no, I think that's actually... Well, it's one of the to- Toyota team cars. Yep. Let me go past Awadawa. Gets out of the way. Brocky's just heading down here. What is the obsession with Brocky? Honestly. He's not winning and we're following him. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. And I bet Mike's saying really, really nice things about him too. As they mm. come down the hill mm. from Elvaloon Hill. Coming up on another back marker. It's the Gazelle. Oh, it is the Gazelle. It's the Sala Gazelle. The I don't Sala. think it's written, I don't think it's driven by Sala this time around. Okay. I think he actually popped a pay driver in it for this round. Yep. There's a dub. We finally finally got DJ oh, on the camera. Thank good goodness. On you, Dick. Yeah, good. Well done, Dick. Famous Redbacks. That's good. We'll get the Ford fans back with this one. Yep. Um, Famous Palmer Tube Mills sponsorship, Ross mm-hmm. Palmer, mm-hmm. who uh, mm-hmm. later went on to go broke. Uh, oh, hang on. He had he, he he had the twenty-four hour race for a couple of years. He did, and he ran mm. and he ran the he ran the alternative racing series that became the AMRS, which then evolved into the Shannons. Mm. So, um, which was Pro Car. He ran the Pro Car That's series. That's right. He did. Ooh, oh, hello. hello. We've had a, now. We've had a serious crash here. There's uh, Lusty Elson. We've got Lusty Elson. We've got a car on fire. Mm. The fire Utes arrive. We've got another car out in the middle. That you've got. Mm. You've got three cars involved in this. Oh, that'd be one. Will be the Lusty Commodore. Right about now, someone's going to drop a fire extinguisher. Yep, we're going to squirt a fire extinguisher from so far away from the car. It's not going to do anything. Mm. And right about now, we have a complete whiteout. Mm. Um, and mm. I can tell you right now, I have been in this situation as a fire marshal where you've got... And there's a crowd of jumping the fence. We've got people going everywhere. Um, mm. We've got a second car on fire. And there's your fixed camera from the bridge. And what you're seeing there, ladies and gentlemen, is about as much as... The, here we go, 11 or 14. Yeah, just drive through the smoke coal. Don't worry about the poor marshal standing on the side of the track, Brocky. Yeah, and, don't worry about uh, that. I would have been going a little bit slower than that. And what we can report right about now is that luckily the drivers are all out and mm. uh, nobody is injured seriously and certainly nobody's suffering burns from these fires. But uh, yes, somebody's... Uh, Exit 1VL Commodore. Yeah, that's that's a VL down the, down mm. the chute. I think um, the blue Sierra was Glen Seton's car. There it is. So while the marshal was actually keeping himself uh, in a safe position, he's firefighting if it's possibly left a little bit to be desired. And uh, there's another one, and the boys are in, and they're in hard at it. That's some good work. A, mm-hmm. a, a, uh, a two-man fire attack with foam and powder, as you can see, cars still going through. I don't believe the red flag's been oh, shown get yet, the Warbster. camera out of shot. Jeez Louise. I don't believe the red flag's been shown yet, Warbster. Uh, might be, I don't know. I mean, why on earth would you continue a race under these circumstances? Well, I don't know. That's what used to happen back mm. in the day. That looks like, well, Glenn, Glenn Satan's... Sarah's pretty much stuffed, and that's um, going to an ad break. Yep. 
Mm. Let's see what we've got now. Uh, there's Wilco. There's Wilco. So we're back for the restart. He's looking a bit burned as Wilco. Well, it's pretty hot up there in Queensland. I reckon. That's what happens when you're sponsored by the Park Royal and you mm. sit out on the... Uh, Sit out on the pool deck oh, you reckon, with, you reckon with all the was, maidens. Oh, you reckon he was doing a quagmire trying to you know, get some... So here's Ooh, a replay. That's um, that's a production car race. That is a serious amount of guardrail being taken out there mm. by a Starion and an RX-7. And the Starion mm. has... Oh, jeez. And the flag marshals actually mm. jumped clear of the flag point. Mm. And with, oh, the car went over the top of them. Mm. Luckily, the inflatable kangaroo was okay, though. Yeah, here's, here's the replay. Andy Medecki up the outside of Val. Ooh. Yeah, He just good. went straight in. Yep. Yep. Nothing. So you've got Medecki out, Seaton out, and Brian Callahan. One uh, of the Callahans, did you say? No, it was, it was Lusty Brothers. Oh, one of the Lusty Brothers. Mike and also, up. I think Murray Carter got caught up in that. But, yep. Uh, that was the Black Oh, Sierra. so Murray was the, so that was the other fire from Yeah, that yeah, was the other fire. Yeah. Murray's fire. Yep. Poor Murray. He started off in the custom line, as everyone mentions every time he's mentioned on the coverage. <laughs> and there's, uh, we're back again. Uh, DJ, Sierra, Sierra, Nissan, Nissan, Sierra, Sierra. Now we're talking about seven or eight manufacturers in the 12 hour. We're back to three now. Yep. Christ, it's boring. So, Bagnall, so your top 10's changed, obviously, with, mm. Uh, mm. with Seaton and. Medecki out, mm-hmm. and we're here for a restart. Can't light, see the flag. The Flags yeah. down. Mm-hmm. And who's going to win the drag race into turn one? You'd think DJ'd bugger off again. You think he would, but mm, he he's just got the. And yep. he did. Yep. The big question is, uh, can Brocky stay with him? Mm. He's, he, going, he's going to be fighting off Tony Longhurst shortly. So has he got the bananas to keep up? Well, yeah, and has he got the money in the bank to build it, to build it fast enough? Is the other question. Hmm. Don't so know. Not Ask quite, Andy Russell that. Not, not quite sure. Not quite sure what uh, what lap we're on or what our restart's been because we're listening with no commentary. Mm. Listing with no commentary. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, oh, can I give up now? <laughs> <laughs> you suddenly, we're gonna we're gonna have to start instead of instead of Murray Walkerisms, we're gonna have DSOisms. Oh, please, please, I'm, I'm not here to commentate the races. Oh, hang on, yes, I am. <laughs> so anyway, uh, as, 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 stretched, so, stretched out in a nice line there. So we can, it. by the looks of the shadows, we can see that it is fairly late in the afternoon. They did have to re redo all of the guardrail that got um destroyed by the VL, which is, is a sizable amount, is and also bit, get the cars out of is, there. Is that a bit like Sandown? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yep. So, mm. Gricey's a guest commentator. Good on you, Gricey. Great to have you, son. Mm. And, um... Well, we'd, we would normally have the sound engineer as our guest commentator, but he's not here. No, he's uh, he's he's off working. Uh, mm. catching, a, catching a few shifts before he goes back to school. Oh, joy. Mm. That's what young people do. Apparently, work part time and then go to school. Yeah, I just luxuriate around the pool all day because I'm the warp stop. <sighs> got a big billboard up behind the pool yet? Uh, not yet. No. no. Okay. No. So, um, speaking of billboards, there's some very nice ones there. Yeah, there's a, a shell billboard. And there's a Volvo. Then Volvo. there's like the Volvo V O 
LVO. And Jack yeah. Peterson and mm-hmm. Yokohama. Mm. Don't smoke. Don't smoke. Mm. So we need the young person to tell us not to smoke. Because mm. according to the federal laws, you know, tobacco advertising is wrong. And you'll immediately take up smoking if you watch it. Speaking of smoking, there's some uh, tie smoke there as uh, Tony tries to pull another move on Brocky. Come on, Tone. Wasn't quite as Come successful on, as last time. Oh, I think he'll... he'll You'll get him. He's Come working on, him. He's working him. Uh, main difference between these two is the tyres. One's on Pirelli's, the other is on uh, Bridgestone's. I've got a feeling this one's just a matter of time, because if you have a look, he's just lurking there. He's lurking there, and as we all know, Tony's not afraid to feed a bumper when he feels like it. No. No, around the out- I don't think you want to go around the outside, Tony, but no, he's, he's going to try, try to cross over, maybe. switch back. No, maybe mm. not. Warpster, have you noticed the difference in telecast this one to episode one from Winton? There's no coverage from the pit lane mm. in this episode. It's, it's not wet. It's, it's, well, it's not wet, but um, mm. Mm. I don't know. It just it seems like it's lacking something, whether they're... I don't know, a couple of cameras short, or it just seems to well, be... Well, it would be a different um, crew here, because it would be HSV7 in um, Victoria. Mm-hmm. It would be uh, QTN, I think uh, it is, in, yeah. in Brisbane. So you'd be looking at a different crew. Obviously, Mike Raymond's the executive producer. Uh, Wilco, all the on-air personalities are still the same, but the actual... Uh, physical crew members themselves are different. So your cameramen and your OB yeah. van guys yeah. and all yeah. those sorts of people. Okay. Yeah. So maybe they just didn't have the resources that they do down south. Yeah, it just it doesn't look as uh, produced. A bad word, but it doesn't mm. look as doesn't look as polished I, to, to my eye. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, back then we didn't have supercars media and their contingent of thousands yeah, looking does. after the events, and um, and certainly no super slow mo. Mm, mm. I yeah. mean, we're struggling to get a replay, let alone I'm, a slow-mo. I'm, I'm waiting for, um, you know, public toilet cam to appear on the supercars coverage on the red button, to be honest. Right. Mm. You know. You imagine, you imagine, you know, Scafing and Crompo commentating that. Oh, the fly's down! Oh, oh he's flies whipped it out! <laughs> no. Oh, no. And those Actually, not- speaking of and speaking, those, speaking not- those nightmares are brought to you by the oh, wall stop. Speaking, and there, and there goes uh, Tony Lamoust finally gets past yep. eleven or fourteen. Rocky comes back at him, mm-hmm. thinks about giving him a nudge, but uh, no. Nah. And Tony's about to drive away, which proves that he was Rocky was holding him up. A mm. um, little bit of commentary news, Warbs. Speaking of commentary teams, Larko's back in the fold at Foxtel. Mm. So um, good to see he's. Uh, Obviously, they needed someone to replace the thruster. Well, who's going to take over on the 10 coverage? Well, will he do double duty? I don't know. Well, um, we can only hope. Um, I mean, the man that I really want to be on the coverage, sadly, mm. is still running his, his Aubrey-based team. Mm. Because mm. Brad Jones would just be absolutely sensational on the coverage. Mm. Yes, um, yes. Funny, very, very funny. Naturally funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, not afraid to, 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 to give it out or to take it. Mm. And uh, extremely knowledgeable. Also means... Oh, oh no, Brock, he locked the gone. front. Oh, he caught it. Missed the time. How is it that every time a race happens that we do, Brocky ends up losing it somehow? This wasn't by design. You sure you haven't gone through the, the DVD and picked all the ones where Brocky runs off? No, okay. not at all. Do you know why he ran off? Um, 
the car doesn't have a polarizer in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, they probably did put a polarizer in it at first, but then the turbo set it on fire. <laughs> Something hanging down behind the back wheel here. Uh, Warbster, did you catch that? No, it's not a polarizer. Oh, it could be on a bit of string. Have a look. There's no antenna. That's the sticker on the back window. Yeah. Ford didn't say he couldn't put a polarizer in his cars. Only Holden did. No, Ford said, "Give us some money and go away." <laughs> well, no, actually, that was Andy Rouse. Andy Ford Rouse, had nothing yes. to do with it. Ford was Correct. just Ford was just like la 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 la. Uh, we Ford, don't we Ford, don't know. Ford anything. didn't Ford didn't care. Not mm. one ounce. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. a six three five. Uh, Summer Eva again. Yep. Doing doing the Thexton job of getting himself on camera by being whapped. Yep. Although admittedly, Summer Eva didn't spend half as much money as Thexton did. Uh, I wonder who was richer. Thexton. You, you get that selling a Coca-Cola Amateur. Mm. Selling it to Coca-Cola Amateur, but that's another story. Mm. So uh, there's JB. Um, so I can quite categorically state that if we were to look at JB at the end of this telecast with a hat on mm. and look at a picture of him today, he is... He's almost the age. He's, he's the other ageless veteran. He's the other ageless veteran. He's the other ageless veteran. Drinking from the fountain of youth, I'm led to believe. I actually think that, no, you would be able to tell the difference because... Um, oh, here we go. This race got Dick, Tony, Bowie, Jim, well. Brocky. Some have blown up. There was smoke everywhere. Hmm. Um, Brocky. Brocky. Sarah. Sierra, 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 Sierra. Six. Sierra. Who's in sixth? No one that no I'm telling you. No one's in sixth. Oh, country a, practice. Yeah. And that's, uh, that was... Uh, Andy Medecki oh no Andrew Bagnall yep. that was the car that blew up yep. that was the other Medecki motorsport car they've had a horrible day yep. hmm. guess who's racing at the 12 hour this year <laughs> Bagnall yep Gulliver's well I was going to say um, good luck with your travels mm. um, so mm. here's 11 or 14 mm. on Richo trying to put it on Richo Richo will be gentlemanly and let him through I'm sure <laughs> yeah right no, I don't think he's got a choice at this point Tell you what, Lucky didn't give him a rub there. These, was, uh, these days, that would not happen that way. No, he would have been absolutely served at no, that point. And, and Richo gave him a wave, which um, those of you with a keen eye, knew, he knew that he was new. Rocky was quicker than him. Mm-hmm. Gave him a hand out the window and said, "There it is. Yep. I'm not going to fight you for it because there's no point bidding it." Oh, bit of lock up there. Right. Yeah, Richo, Richo and Brocky, probably two of the better ones in terms of not running into people. Because back then it used to cost money. Mm. Mm. I believe that's Andrew Bagnall. Yeah, there. it is. Um, I was very, very impressed with the uh, moustache of his uh, of his chief mechanic there. Mm. Very, very fashionable at the time. Mm. Bit of a bit of a Van Kisbergen, you reckon? Or? No, no, no. Great big, uh, great big fat handlebars moustache. Oh, like lovely. very, very New South Wales traffic cop. Mm. Nice, nice. No, I think I think the different. Oh, there's, there's Fred. Fred. Um, Freddy. Is that happy? Pensive. Yeah, definitely angry. pensive. Yeah, get the camera. Will you get that fucking camera out of my face? That was that. That that was. Oh, that was yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like I'm trying to concentrate here. Bugger off. I'm gonna say I'm gonna have to put another insert into that one. That's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's all right. We bleep out the swear words to keep it family friendly, but you all know what we really mean. Hmm. So, uh, yes, if you remember what def- I'm definitely getting darker because we're seeing the uh, the flash of flame on the overrun from the turbo cars, and you can tell this is this is before they had good enough cameras to see the brake rotors, or else we'd be having slow mo brake rotor shots every five seconds. Yeah, filmed in one hundred eight p, low definition. No Sorry, definition. Ul- ultra low definition. <laughs> no definition. <laughs> 
It's got about as much definition as my muscles. So hang on, why is there a car parked next to on the side of the track next to the guardrail? Why didn't we? Why didn't we bring the safety? Oh, sorry, there is none. Yeah, there's no there's no safety car. There's they no just, safety. So hang on, you're telling me that they just used to take ads and let the racing continue? Yeah. Was this racing or motortainment? Motor. You're gonna have to bleep that out. No. Motortainment. You invented it. There's a swear word. You invented it. I didn't invent Actually, it. Actually, Cochrane invented Concord it. Cochrane invented it, thank you. Black Wiggle invented bloody motortainment. Yeah. So um, there's Greg Hansford in the Alan Moffat Sierra. We know it's the Alan Moffat Sierra because it's got his name across the uh, mm. windscreen, across mm. the windscreen banner. Mm. Uh, but if it, makes, if it makes you feel any better, Greg Hansford, in the first few months he was over in Europe motorcycle racing, they thought he was a German, German bloke called Hans Ford. <laughs> no, that's actually that's actually legit. I'm not you serious. Yeah, there's a Mort Brown, chief Brock apologist. Yes, he's he's the man who continues. See, to see that that mustache was nowhere near as impressive as the bloke from uh, Medecky and Bagnell's uh, team. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Mort, Mort's Mort's got fish to fry. I mean, after um, Brocky went to HRT and disbanded Advantage Racing, he actually went to Bridgestone as one of their. Um, Heavy hitters. He did too. That's where I remember that name from also. Mm-hmm. In the later period of time. I believe the mid-90s. When uh, HSV were exclusively on Bridgestone and uh, nobody else could get near them. Mm. For a period of time. Mm-hmm. So Gricey's Gricey. still in the commentary box. Probably. Obviously there's um, mm. obviously there's a couple of grey nurses in it. Because they were grey back then. A couple of grey nurses in it for Gricey to... To mm. come and say a few nice words. He does live down the road at Broadwater, so... Mm. I actually think that um, it would have been a bit awkward in the commentary box with him, like, you know, turning around and moving his head with the Akubra, just knocking people's, you know, heads and poking their eyes out and stuff like that. They're not that big. So there's Ovlov Corner. I oh, know that's mm. only if they're running backwards. Mm. Uh, flag point three, I know that, because it's got a great big three on it. I'm, I'm the king of stating the obvious right about now. Mm. So we're just talking about cars going round and round in circles. Yep, we are. So we're 31 <laughs> minutes and we're got, you've only got about nine nine or ten minutes of this left if you uh, are still with us out there in podcast land. So yeah, if, you're trying to, if you're trying to get this in before like getting getting up and for the work and going in the shower, yeah. not not knowing why anyone would want to listen to us first no, thing in the morning. But no way. If you are, you've got about nine minutes left. So, so there's Tony Longhurst in the number 25 Benson and Hedges Don't Smoke Sierra. Uh, is that the Sala Gazelle? It is, I think. There's the Sala Gazelle. I can't recall who's actually driving it. Oh, there's. Oh, there's, there's your, Frank. There's, there's my man. He, there's your man with the headwear. Oh, and he's oh, adjusting he's the hat. Thanks, Frank. You've done it just for me. I'm going to put mine back on. Whoops, hang on. Okay. I'll just, okay. Just go. They are resplendent in white terry toweling, Warbster. Have do you a have, look at do this. Do you have any idea how hard it is to take you seriously when you're wearing that? Um, do you take me seriously at any time? Good point. So Tone's obviously the new focus. We've um, we've got uh, we've got to give Tone a bit of air time because um, eleven or fourteen got far too much. What about the bloke winning the race? Why don't we look at him? Why would you show Queensland's own winning a race at a Queensland racetrack? Why would you bother? It's not broadcast into Queensland. It was only broadcast everywhere else. Oh, there and speak of the devil. Mm. There's Dick. Oh, that's right. That was when we only broadcast, you know, to selected areas Correct. of Australia so, at selected times because third-rate VFL took precedence over nationally 
tourvised tour, tour, nationally televised touring car racing there I'll spit Correct. that out now I'll learn to speak English in a minute Correct. so here we go with a race score it's Dick from Tone from JB from Pierre 50's Greg Hansford and they're only going to give us the top five yeah yeah yeah, Cole, we've gone to an ad. We've gone to a, oh. gone to a Tim. And uh, Dick's obviously still in front because he's getting a bit of air time as mm, we cross so back. There's Hans, Hans Ford. Hans, there's Hans, Hans driving his Ford, mm-hmm. chasing down 11 or 14. And that, mm. I tell you, you'd reckon they'd got race cam better than that by now. I suppose, look at the quality of the graphics. What am mm. I talking about? Mm. Well, you know, it's very good for Bill, whoever Bill is. Mm. Mm. No, I'm not sure about Mo, but Bill's looking pretty good. Oh, Mo and Bill. Mm, Mo and Bill, yeah. Right. Yeah. Sounds like a bad comedy movie, doesn't it? Mo and Bill's Excellent Adventure. I was thinking they were more like the um, Australian version of Stadler and Waldorf. <laughs> I reckon if we keep doing these for much longer, we'll become the Australian version of Stadler and Waldorf. What do you mean, we'll become? So we went to see Book of Mormon the other night, and we were up in the st- upright high in the cheap seats because, mm. you know, I don't earn as much as you. Yeah. And uh, and the podcast sound engineer says to me, uh, "I'm going to sit down over there." And I said, "Where?" He said, "Who are the two? Old-? Knowing quite well, I'd be able to reel them straight off." He said, "He said in the seats that the two old blokes from the Muppets sit in." He said, "Why aren't we in the Stadler and Waldorf seats?" <laughs> Parenting done right. Absolutely. Um, anyway, A and Z getting a bit of play there. Yep. Um, you know, A and Z actually supported Moth through a fair bit. He was actually what it was actually one of the sponsors for the um, eighty-seven car that he took to Europe for mm-hmm. the WTCC, along with Rothmans. Don't smoke. Um, Rothmans of Paul Moore. That's the one. Mm. Uh, yep. And then he, they came back with the Rouse car in eighty-seven, which was a pile of crap, and um, bought the Eggenberger car and supported him till I believe ninety-one. So, uh, so Dick went alone. So Dick, Dick built his own cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moff and Brocky were in Rouse, Andy Rouse cars from Rouse Engineering in the uh, UK. Moff was a, well, the 87 car that Moff raced at Bathurst was Rouse. After that, he bought an Eggenberger car. Right. Which is how um, Class Needsfits ended up going there every year for a good long while. Okay. So what's the so, Ford of Europe. Um, so, Brock, so Brocky's in a Rouse car. Very here. much in a Rouse car, yep. Um, Frank Gardner's cars. A uh, bit of everything. Yep. Because um, Frank Gardner would have had the contacts in, um, especially England, from when he was racing over there. Yep. And so, in a lot of their own, a lot of homegrown engineering into them as well. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Um, Frank Gardner, probably one of the more underrated fabricators in Australian history. I mean, just look at the Chev Corvair sports sedan from the 70s, absolutely. if you don't believe that. Cedo's um, car? Uh, Rouse, I believe. Yep. Most, I mean, Rouse was sort of the, the cheaper option if you were looking around. Um, a few, a few um, Wolf Sierras were built, especially the one for Francevic down under, but um, they only built a few and then disbanded. Yep. That was actually the CMS team, which was originally the European Volvo team. Okay, yep, gotcha. Crystal Lindholm and company in Sweden. So... By my reckoning, Warbster, I think that we'd have to be on either the penultimate lap, mm-hmm. or the penultimate penultimate lap, or the penultimate last lap but one, or the penultimate 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 last lap bar one. Okay, or two. okay, you're getting into a loop here. Just, just <laughs> settle down for a minute. I think, Righto. I think the sun's getting to the point where they're going to have to call it at some point very shortly. Are you saying this is a time certain race or a light certain race? Uh, a bit of both. Mm. 
And so and there's JB there's, on the JOB. Yes. So mm. I'm I'm waiting for the little man to hold out the last lap board, as was uh, the mm. order of the day back then. Because mm, I don't think the headlights are going to work very well with sponsorship logos over the top of it. No. Mm. No, I don't. They have a decidedly yellow colour to them. Mm. The be, the be like Ludo's funky glasses. <laughs> yes, yes. No, no Ludo back in these uh, in these times. Hmm. They didn't need to be told to push, push. No, and uh, and you're not going to get much out of the headlights and Moffat's things because they're painted white. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe he's got a tiger in his tank. Oh, beautifully done. Hmm. Beautifully done. Yeah, it's amazing. I do references that are so old, even I don't get them. Mm. Mm. So we're just looking at Mo and Bill here. Yep. Um, Bob Jank probably feels ripped off right now. He's probably thinking, wow, I wish I'd sponsored that car. I remember back in the old days when Grice's Commodore used to get all this action. Oh, yeah. Mm. So while we talk about race cam, I suppose we, we do need to say, Bob, to the Channel 7 with the international pioneer mm-hmm. of putting a camera in a racing car. With um, Willow. P- uh, Peter Williamson, mm-hmm. at, uh, at, originally at Bathurst. Yep. Um, Sydney privateer and long-time Toyota stalwart. Mm-hmm. Um, and they used to fly the helicopter around the track to try and track the signal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ended up, it evolved from a, a great big heavy box right through to uh, the lipstick cam that we're used to today. But it, uh, yes, it was a, an Australian invention and they took it all over the world. Hmm. Um, and interestingly, Larry Perkins was never one to want to carry a race cam in his car because he felt that anything at all that could lead to distraction or disadvantage wasn't worth, wasn't worth it. This was until Castrol told him to have the camera in the car. And it was a fair bit later. Mm-hmm. It was a fair bit later. Um, yeah. Interestingly, we, uh, when you look at races like um, the Bathurst 12-hour and, and some of the other races that are covered uh, on uh, live streaming and, and other, other sources, um, drivers have the option to take the offer of a camera, but it costs them money Yes. these days. So mm. rather than... Uh, Rather than aiming for free publicity, I mean, we know that they're in every supercar. That's part of the package. Mm. But uh, in some of the other categories, you, uh, if you're prepared to put your hand out, you can. Uh, I'll put you put, prepared to put your money where your mouth is. You can pay to have a camera to get some additional uh, footage mm. to the package. Yeah, I mean, when, when you look at sort of the amount of signage that um, the Triple Eight cars have these days with that um, movie screen in the middle of the dash, you know. That's it's worth it. I think the going rate at the 2015 Dubbo Hill Climb was uh, was four thousand dollars to to put a, an in car camera hmm. into uh, one of the class I cars. Hmm. So instead, you struck a penguin in. Oh, that was the other car. Oh, okay. No, no Pengi. Pengi was a very good co-driver that day. Yeah, Pengi did well. He hmm. uh, he did more laps than the other car. Hmm. Well, it was the co-driving. You know. mm. Get to the top of the hill. Turn left. Yeah. yeah. Flap your little, <laughs> flap your little penguin wings. Exactly. So. Um, that's, that's one way of getting extra aero, I suppose. Absolutely. So yeah. we're down yeah. to a minute and a half left in this telecast, Warbster, and um, DJ's still going around. DJ's and around. still going. I yeah. don't think we're going to get the beauty of a podium here. Don't reckon. Oh, 
I tell you, they're going to have to make it fast. I haven't mm. haven't seen the last lap, man. So well, no, the way Dejo's going, it probably will be. You know, you'll probably have a few minutes left, maybe. Was a very very short circuit. Mm. Uh, that was a bloody and, quick car, too. And, and a very, very fast track, too. There it is. There's a flag. There we go. Some bloke in shorts, mm. side of the racetrack. Mm. Love those socks. Mm. Unless you put his... Hey, hey, he put his tinny down. Professionalism. 4X. Do you know why they... No. That's too much of an old joke. Mm. Yeah. So, um... It is. There we have it. Dick. 11 or 14 again. 11 or 14. Like, we wouldn't, we wouldn't show Dick on his, uh, you know, waving to his adoring Queensland crowd, mm. would we? No. 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 There's Chris Lambden in the background going, hmm, I wonder what happens if I get a Coyote engine. Yes. Mm. There's, yes. there's Dick Johnson. He's, he's waving. Good on you, Dick. Yep. Marshals are all waving and mm. clapping and cheering frantically for uh, mm. for the homegrown. So, and... Caltech right, Race School. So is, Race uh, School. DJ... Longhurst and Bow. So, Sierra, one, two, three. And, and that's the lot. That's the end of it. So, thanks very much for uh, coming along bo- on board with us for uh, episode three of the Touring Cast. Very, very grateful for all of your support and comments and criticisms and everything. All the interaction's been wonderful lately, guys. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Uh, except, for, except for certain fair supercar drivers who I apologise to. Because you should have messaged him. Yeah, should have. Oh, well, anyway, that's uh, that's us for uh, this time around. So Thank don't, don't forget www.facebook.com backslash supercarinsiders for all of your mirth, hilarity and assorted racing nonsense yes thank you very much for that uh, plug uh, DSO and uh, that's us bye Supercar Insiders production. For more, go to www.facebook.com slash supercarinsiders. Also, look up the uh, podcast DSO's page. He's got some interesting stuff to say.